I welcome everyone who's listening online today. My name is Ed Travers. I'm the teaching pastor here at LifePoint in Westerville. If today is your first time listening in, thank you so much for uh, being part of our service. Uh, if you go to lpguest.com, uh, that will take you to our landing page. It'll tell you all about information uh, about our church, upcoming events. There's also a guest information button that if you hit that button uh, and scroll down, you'll see five different ministries that we support from all of our campuses. Fill out a little bit of information, check one of the boxes, and we'll do a $5 donation to that ministry. Uh, it's a great way to do something good and kind today. Um, that said, I was thinking about uh, high school and how, uh, you know, during my time in high school, probably the, my favorite thing about it was uh, joining the wrestling team. Uh, I've played many other team sports, but there's nothing quite like wrestling. I learned so much from being involved in this sport, uh, but mostly I had a lot of fun. I, you know, just some of my best friends were all on the team, the camaraderie and, and the connection. Uh, we had, so think of it this way, you know, you have guys that are small, lightweights, and then you have middleweights and you have heavyweights. Well, I was a lightweight, and so all the lightweights kind of hang out together and wrestle together, uh, but we had a buddy on the team who was a heavyweight. This guy was like six foot two, six foot three, 265 pounds. He was just a very big, strong guy. He was one of the defense alignment and offense alignment on the football team, just a great athlete. Uh, and so me and three of my buddies, all lightweights, little guys, uh, we decided we're going to tackle him. And it took all four of us to tackle him. And we're jumping on him and we're, you know, messing with him. And, you know, like think one guy on a leg, one guy on a leg, one on an arm, one on an arm. And we're just like, you know, we're just messing with him until he's just laughing. And finally he gets mad. He just took his arm and just hoisted us and just threw us off of him. That's kind of the fun of wrestling, just the, the camaraderie and, and all of that. That's great. The sport itself, uh, super uh, just life lessons that you learn. One of the things about wrestling is that, uh, you know, you can't make excuses. There's never an excuse. It's always you against the opponent. Uh, you can't say, well, someone blew a coverage or the quarterback was off that day. Like you're person on person. And, and that's kind of one of the life lessons that you can't make excuses. Um, <clears throat> my, my sophomore year, I became um, on the varsity team. I wasn't very good. I really took my lumps that year and learned and, and grew as a wrestler. My junior year on the varsity team, uh, that's where I got a lot better. Uh, I was still kind of an average wrestler. I placed in a couple tournaments, and, but I was getting better. But in between my, my junior and senior year, uh, I really, something kind of clicked. Uh, we did a lot of off-season practices and, and I was going to some tournaments and at a tournament in the off-season, I was able to beat a couple of guys who were ranked in the district ahead of you know, uh, many others. And, and I was able to beat them in the same tournament. I just I had all these hopes and dreams for my senior year, thinking this is going to be my moment. I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. My technique is getting better. I can't wait for my senior year. My senior year starts, and a, a guy on the team who was above me in weight came down and dropped into my weight class, and he was just better than me. And the way that it works is that you have to wrestle off against a guy on your team, and if you beat him, you're on varsity. If you don't beat him, you're off. And this guy just was better than me. So here I am, I'm on my, my senior year and I've been getting better and better and better. And now I'm, I'm peaking and I'm, I'm thinking this is gonna be my year. And this guy drops into my class, I couldn't beat him. And there was nowhere to go. And it taught me one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in life. That sometimes the things that you want out of life, the things you dream up in your head, sometimes they just don't happen. And now I'm forced in that situation as a senior where I could continue on the team, I could quit the team. I mean, all my best friends were on the team and I wanted to see them excel. And the coach came to me and he said, hey, I want you to basically be like your practice squad guy for some of the other wrestlers. Uh, these guys are gonna be wrestling people with this technique. I need you to practice this technique on them. Be kind of like the wrestling dummy, if you will. And I remember thinking, what am I gonna do? 
You know, I'm waiting to try to beat this kid every week in our wrestle arts, which I keep losing to. And, uh, but during the week, I'm, I basically became kind of the practice squad guy for my other teammates. And I just embraced that role and I made the best of it. I, I say all of that because we're in this series we're calling Ordinary People. And in this series, we're talking about how God uses uh, ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. And the reality is, and this is what we've been studying, is that all of us are ordinary people, part of a bigger plan that's happening. There's a bigger story, a bigger uh, you know, plan taking place, and he uses us in really ordinary ways to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. We all have a role to play. And I think the problem that we have is that we, in the same way that I did as a, you know, a high school senior, we have these plans and these dreams and these uh, agendas in our life that we just want to accomplish. And sometimes that's not really what God is doing at all. He has a different plan for our life. And the question is, will we embrace our role? I think one of the things that we struggle with is that a lot of times we're just passive Uh, Sometimes we're just unaware of what God's doing and other times, honestly, we're just selfish. We want to do what we want to do. And that hinders us from actually playing a part in God's larger purpose. And this much I know is true of all people is that deep down, we all want to sense that God is in our life. Even people who are skeptics of God feel that way, that that when when things are tough, we wanna all feel like there's somebody looking out for us, there's somebody watching over us, there's somebody that's using uh, our life for something bigger and it's gonna just pay attention to us. And for those of us who are believers, we wanna sense the hand of God, his will on our life. And so the question is, if we don't embrace our role, if we don't play our part, if we don't cooperate with what God is doing, Sometimes we're gonna miss out on the blessing of God in our life and nobody wants to miss that. So that's what we're gonna talk about today is how do, we, how do we keep from missing out on what God wants for us? If you have a Bible, open up to Exodus chapter 35. We're gonna look at just a few verses, but I'm gonna kind of give you the context and the story, but I wanna share with you the first one and that's this. The first thing I wanna share is this. God has a purpose for ordinary people. In context, remember that God chose Abraham to be the father of a nation, Israel. And that nation, God chose them specifically to show the world who he is. And the people really didn't know God. They didn't know the character of God. In fact, they didn't know the name of God. And it's through, you know, it's through the people of Israel that God communicated to the world who he was, his justice, his righteousness, his holiness, his heart. That's, that's where he's choosing this nation. That nation ends up down in Egypt uh, as slaves under Pharaoh. And they cry out for a deliverer and God gives them Moses. And Moses, you know, through uh, some incredible plagues that God put on the people of, of Egypt, they go out into the promised land. And here's what happens after that. If you read the book of Exodus, as you get into the latter part of the book, God starts communicating to Moses, I want, to, want you to build a tabernacle. This is a portable temple. And in this temple, there's gonna be this room. Uh, and, and in this room inside the tabernacle, there's gonna be another room, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is gonna sit. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. And that's where God is gonna meet with, with man. The, you know, the, the atonement uh, blood is gonna be poured over that mercy seat and God is gonna accept sacrifice there, God with man. And here's the thing, this is really an extraordinary thing. And God was giving the plan to Moses and here's what happens next. The people of Israel have given uh, a lot of resources, gold and silver and, and yarn to make different things, skins and, and all kinds of things that were valuable to the people. They've given it uh, at such abundance that they have everything they need to make the tabernacle And here's what we find in chapter 35, verse 30. It says this. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. 
And he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Holiab, the son of Ishmach, the tribe of Dan. And he has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or to be by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Holiab and every craftsman in, in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Now, this is a pretty obscure uh, couple of guys that the Lord names uh, in this passage. And when I say that God has a purpose for ordinary men, he names two ordinary guys, Bezalel and Aholiab. They're ordinary in that they're craftsmen. These two guys, they work with all these different types of, of articles to make things. That's their job. They are tradesmen who literally are good at what they do. And God specifically calls them out to actually lead the work that's gonna take place on the tabernacle. And from what I understand, there was as much as eight tons of gold that was you know, put into this whole thing. Like this was a very big job. But these two guys led the whole crew of craftsmen in Israel to build the tabernacle. You know, the tabernacle was a big deal. This wasn't just something they were making. This was a big deal because God was meeting with man. And you have to understand all of religion, all the man-made religions of the world are man's way of trying to get to God, to try to behave a certain way, to get his attention, to behave a certain way, to try to get his favor, you know, to somehow get a better eternity by behaving a certain way, man trying to reach up to God. But that's not reality. The reality is that God made us and always wanted to come to us. The problem is that sin separates us from God. And so God, for the people of Israel, gave them rituals and the atoning sacrifices and ways in which the laws in which they had to come and approach God because God is holy and we're not. We can't come face to face with God. But God made a tabernacle where God came to man and we could come to him. This is the beauty of what it is. And in fact, if you read in Hebrews, uh, way back in the back of your Bible, in chapter eight, um, the, the, the writer of Hebrews was talking about Jesus and how Jesus uh, is the great high priest. He's better than any high priest that's, that's ever been um, because he's alive. And he's talking about how Jesus goes into the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly temple. And in verse five of chapter eight, he says this. Now they serve, talking about uh, you know, what, what, um, what we had seen in the temple or the tabernacle. They serve as a copy, the shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. Meaning on the mountain where God met with Moses, he was telling him, look, I want you to make this tabernacle. I want you to make this thing. And then he gave the, the blueprints or the drawings or the ideas to, to Bezalel and Aholiab and they made it. Why? Because it was a shadow of something that was actually real in heaven. There really is a temple in heaven. There really is a mercy seat in heaven where all of this was a foreshadowing of something that was actually happening. And Jesus is the one who took his own blood, his own atoning sacrifice and came in and presented it in the real temple in heaven. This was all a picture. God was doing something to demonstrate a reality, a spiritual reality to the people of God. All right, well, that's a lot of information, but what's the big deal for us? Is that these people, these ordinary guys were part of the work of God. And the beauty of the tabernacle 
is it was a foreshadowing of the temple and that was a picture of what was happening in, in the heavenly realms with Jesus. But Jesus has now made a way that we can come directly to him. Remember the passage where it talks about how after Jesus you know, died, the curtain was torn in two between that separated you know, the rest of the temple from the Holy of Holies where God met with man. Now we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And we are ordinary people. And now the temple of God is not in some place. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not in the portable temple of the, called the tabernacle that Moses had built. We are the temple of God that has puts his Holy Spirit in us and we are now carry God to the people. That's the beauty of all of this, what's happening. And you need to understand that God uses ordinary people to advance his kingdom. That that's what we do now. We are the tabernacle and the Holy Spirit in us carries God to the people and we're ordinary people. And I think that we have a tendency to think, well, if, if God's gonna do something extraordinary through my life, you know, he's gonna use people in my life like, like pastors or, or missionaries or professors. He's gonna use you know, professional religious people to do something extraordinary. And that is just not true. It doesn't mean that God doesn't use those people, but on the daily, God is using ordinary people constantly to advance the kingdom of God. In my own life, let me explain. Way back, the first person I really heard and understood the gospel from was my, my friend's mom, someone else's parent, just teaching me the gospel, told me about Jesus. See, I grew up in a church where I believed in God, but I didn't ever hear or understand the gospel. But she explained it, that God loves us, that even though we sin against him, he loves us anyway. He sent his son to die on a cross to pay the penalty for sin, and he rose from the grave. And now anyone who comes to him in faith can be saved. She would always use that word, to be saved. Well, then he used another set of ordinary people, some young college guys who came by our yard and invited us to a, what was probably like a backyard Bible club or a, or a one day vacation Bible school. And these couple of college guys came down and, and we went to this thing and, and they told us about Jesus. And at the end, after they explained the gospel, they said, does anyone here want to receive Jesus? And into their heart. And I raised my hand. That was the day I raised my hand. I said, I want Jesus. I want to have him to forgive my sins. I want to accept him in my heart. And then he used to, another ordinary person, my grandfather. During my teen years, he taught a Bible study, a life group Bible study for my family where we just learned the word of God. And over the course of like five years of my life, he just invested the word of God into us, me and my siblings. And he answered question after question and just taught us the word. And then later on, I was 21 years old. I was going through a really difficult time. I had made some bad decisions with my life and ended up in a really dark place where I'm just like, I was just ashamed and felt like, you know, God was a million miles away. And God used a couple to show me the love of God. This couple who just loved on me and cared for me and took care of me and helped, helped me kind of get back on my feet. And, and this couple taught me about the love of God and it transformed my life. Ordinary people, a parent, a couple of college guys who were just inspired, a, a, you know, a grandfather teaching the word, and, and then a couple who just chose to love on me. God uses ordinary people to transform lives and to advance the kingdom of God. God has a purpose for ordinary people. And here's the thing. There's nothing insignificant about being ordinary. There's nothing insignificant about being ordinary. Here's a couple of things I want you to see that we just read. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about called in verse 30, it says, see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel. There was a calling on his life. You know, when we think of calling, we typically think of, oh, that guy has a calling to go reach, uh, you know, a people group over uh, in some uh, unknown place to share the gospel. Or you think of maybe a pastor who got a calling to be a pastor. Now, those things are true. God has called them specifically to those things, right? 
But do you know that God calls all believers? He calls every one of them to be part of his royal priesthood. He calls it a royal priesthood, a holy nation who serve God. That anyone who's a believer is called by the Lord to be a part of his kingdom, to advance the message of the gospel, to advance the kingdom of God. That's what we're all a part of, that we're all called. The second one there in verse 31, it says filled. He has filled him, talking about Bezalel, he has filled him with the spirit of God. Do you know the first person in all of the Bible that talks about being filled with the spirit was Bezalel. Here's a tradesman, a guy who knows how to carve things and make things, a guy who you know, just was used mightily in helping get the, the tabernacle made. Just he was filled with the spirit of God. He was filled with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with craftsmanship. That means his skill set was given by God. Lastly, inspired, verse 34, that God has inspired him, you know, Bezalel, inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab. That God, God has called these guys, he filled these guys, and he's inspired them to teach others. Think about those three things. God has been involved in the life of Bezalel and the life of Aholiab, even though they didn't even know it probably. The things that they experienced, the skill set that they were given, maybe they thought, oh, I'm just good at this, and they gravitated towards those jobs. Or maybe they had parents, and, and they learned from those parents how to do these things. Either way, God is saying, I used all of this to call them, to fill them, and to inspire them to do the work, the extraordinary work that God was doing. That's the beauty of all of this. And here's, here's what we need to recognize, is that our skills, our intelligence, our opportunities, the things that we do, the, the giftings that we have are given to us by God. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, that they're given to us for a purpose that goes beyond ourselves. that we might see ourselves as very ordinary, that you, know, you might be a stay-at-home mom, or you might be a teacher, or you might be a finance person, or you might be a tradesperson. But all of those things God has given us, he's put us in position in life for something bigger than just us. Can I say that um, I, I've seen this play out in so many different ways uh, in our church. When we first launched LifePoint in Westerville uh, in 2018, we met in a middle school, uh, Heritage Middle School there in the center of, of, of Westerville. And uh, we had set up and tear down and we met in this kind of the ca cafetorium, they called it. Um, and uh, in the back of the room, there was this couple that started coming to our services. When they came in, they had a stroller and they had a special needs child in the stroller. They had a couple of sons that would go back to LifePoint kids, uh, but they had this stroller of the special needs kid that they were fostering. Uh, and this kid uh, had a lot of needs, had a lot of medical issues, but, but they were fostering this kid and this kid needed round the clock care. So well, I noticed them coming and I would set seats out for them in the back where they felt like they could get in and get out if they needed to, but they wouldn't kind of bother anybody else. And, and uh, I gave them kind of like their own space. Well, someone who's kind of in tune to all these things is Pastor Mark, who on our team here in Westerville. And he kind of got in tune with them, and he connected these two, this, this family, with a neonatal nurse who served in LifePoint Kids and also served on our UR special team. And this neonatal nurse was so skilled in what she did that she had no problem taking care of this young girl. Olivia was her name. And I'll never forget the first time that that couple, uh, John and Lane, uh, came into service and allowed Olivia to go back to be with that neonatal nurse to, to just you know, be cared for. And I remember seeing them with tears in their eyes 
And I asked, and they said, this is the first time we've been in service together in over a year. To be able to just let go and worship God together. Do you see how this works? God used all of these people in different ways. You know, the people who did the setup and teardown to make sure our, our room was set up. The people serving in LifePoint Kids to take their sons in. The people who, uh, you know, were serving and you are special, this, this nurse. And, and then there's John and Elaine who are fostering this child. I mean, it all works together for something bigger. But do you see how it works together? God used ordinary people, ordinary people like you and me, uh, to do the very things that he's trying to do in the world. There's nothing insignificant about being ordinary. So then that leads us to one other thing. If, we, if we're not gonna miss out on what God wants, and we need to recognize that he has a purpose for ordinary people. There's nothing insignificant about being ordinary, but we have to embrace our role. You know, the tabernacle got built. I, I, uh, if you skip forward to, verse, to chapter 37, verse one, there's a little tiny line I think is interesting. It says, Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood. And it goes on in chapter 37 and talks about all the things that he made and he led you know, the, the team of people who were making the tabernacle, but he made specifically certain things like the Ark of the Covenant. Um, the Ark of the Covenant, um, you know, we, we know it in, in my generation from Raiders of the Lost Ark, we think about that, but the Ark of the Covenant is what God um, would meet the people, the mercy seat sat above that two angel cherubim kind of overseeing the top of that Ark of the Covenant. And inside it kept, you know, the Ten Commandments and other things inside there. But he made that. He embraced his role. Other people embraced their roles to make this thing that God was doing, right? And it was all a foreshadowing, like I said. But here's, here's what that means, that we have to embrace our role. If we want to we don't wanna miss out on what God has for us. We need to recognize that God is doing something in our life. That, that the opportunities that we've had, the skills that we have, uh, the aptitudes that we have, the opportunities that we have, all of that is for a purpose. And we have to embrace that. I think it's easy though, when we approach church, it's natural and easy for us to approach church from the eyes of a consumer. I mean, we live in a consumer culture. So when you think about going to a restaurant, as long as they have the right atmosphere, the right food, the right price, you know, then we keep going back, right? But if one of those gets off, then we stop going to that restaurant. We find a different restaurant. We're consumers. And we treat church very much like that. And it's completely normal. You go to church and you think, okay, do they teach the right things? Do, do we hear the right you know, kind of worship music? Do we like the people? Is it the right time? Do, is it great kids, you know, ministry? Do my kids have friends there? Like, there's all these reasons we decide as consumers to go to a particular church, but we can't stop there. We can't stay as consumers. We have to take the next step really to be consumed by the Lord, by his word, by his Holy Spirit, and by his agenda, his work, his, his heart for the world. And if we stay in the consumer mindset, we're going to miss out. We have to take that next step. You know, we've been talking at all of our campuses about ways to get involved on our life teams. And what that means is that every other week, you typically serve on a team on a Sunday. And whether that's LifePoint Kids or, uh, you know, in, in student ministry or, or maybe on, you know, security team or uh, out in the parking lot or on connections team or, or hooking up wires or taking pictures or, or writing stuff or, or whatever it is, singing. I mean, there's all these different ways that people get connected every other week. That's just one way in which we make LifePoint work. But it's more than that. It's about having an attitude, a heart and a mindset to be a servant of the Lord. And so here's my question for you. Is that where you're at? Are you able to make the jump from you know, consuming content of, of church to actually being a servant of what God is doing? 
using your opportunities, your moments in life, your skill set, your resources to advance the kingdom of God. If you have that mindset, then God is gonna use your life and you're gonna sense him working in and through your life. And if you are bored with faith, if you, it's usually because you've, you've missed out somewhere. You've missed out on his hand or his work in your life. And that's what we need to do. We need to submit our life to him. I think if you're listening in, you have to ask yourself, have you, have you decided with your life, Lord, my life belongs to you. Use me any which way you can. I think that's the difference. When I look back at Israel at that moment, they had just experienced this incredible salvation. They, they were saved from Egypt. And because they had just been recently saved, they were so fired up and so ready to serve God. And that's what they did. They, they all gave and they were all serving and they worked and they made their tabernacle. And man, that was, that was their life. And maybe you sense that in your life, that there's a time when, when you recognize the glory of God in your life through the gospel. And you were so eager, but sometimes over time, just like the Israelites, you get kind of bored and you stop serving and, and you become, you drift, you become more selfish in life and sometimes even passive or just ambivalent to the whole work of God. And we have to come back to God. We have to remember what he's done and lay down our life to be a servant. And that's where he meets us. When we lay down our life for his cause, wherever you're at, I just ask you to consider that and pray uh, that you uh, would just re-up with God's push all the chips saying, God, use my life. God, I pray that you would use us for your glory, uh, that you would use us to build your church as your servants. God, you would use us to reach others in our community as classmates, as uh, coworkers, as neighbors, as part of family. God, use our life to advance your kingdom. And we ask all that in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening in today. I'm gonna challenge you uh, to take a step. Uh, if you've not take a, taken a step to being involved uh, in the local church at LifePoint or one of our campuses, or maybe if you're listening in from somewhere else, to, to actually get involved, to not just consume content, but to actually get involved and serve on a team somewhere, find a place to, to become a servant, you, you'll be happy that you did. I just wanna challenge you with that. And if you're listening in and, and maybe you would say, you know, I've never connected to Jesus. You've never actually committed your life to him. You've never raised your hand and said, today's my day. Well, you can have that very thing today by a step of faith. Your step today is simply to receive the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And here's what you do. You say to God, just, just kind of close your eyes and pray and say, say, God in heaven, I believe in you. I know that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross. And I know he rose from the grave. And then call out to Jesus, say, Jesus, I am sorry. I know that I've sinned against you. I know that I've lived my life in a way that wouldn't honor you. And I'm asking you, Jesus, would you please forgive me of my sin today? I am sorry. And then call out to him, say, Jesus, will you lead my life? Help me to follow you. Will you, will you please come into my heart? That's, that's that simple step. Just saying that from your heart to God, you need to know that is all that he requires from you, that you follow him with your life. That step of faith is what makes you right because he did all of it on the cross to pave the way for you to become right with God. I would say to you that uh, to reach out and let someone know that you have become a Christian, that you wanna follow Jesus with your life, make that known to someone today. Well, if you have any questions, you wanna take a step, you feel free to reach out to me at edt at lifepointohio.com. I'd love to help you take a step. I could send you a book that will help you in your journey. I would love to talk to you about baptism and love to talk to you about how to take a step of serving here at LifePoint. Anyway. Uh, feel free to reach out. Till next time, God bless.